episode 255, bonus edition, interview with Claude Larson. I'm Alfonso Mendoza, host of the My Ed Tech Life podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey y'all, welcome to the Empowering Educators Podcast. I am Gretchen, your host and expert lesson learner. I'm a national board certified elementary teacher turned teacher, trainer, and coach. All the lessons I've learned and am learning on my edgy journey, I share with you right here. From every silly mistake to the most glorious successes, you're gonna hear stories and strategies that will inspire you to become your best. I have to warn you, as an educator, I can't help but hold you accountable for doing the work. So every episode, I leave you with practical, tangible next steps so you can implement your learning and maximize your impact. Whether you're teaching a lesson or learning one yourself, there's always a lesson if you're willing to pay close attention. Elite educators, that's the secret to staying empowered. Bring on today's lesson. Hey, Elite Educators, it's Gretchen here from Always a Lesson. I'm ready to empower you to reach your potential, and I'm going to do it today with a special guest. She is also an Elite Educator. She takes time to invest in herself, and I know you do too because you're listening to this podcast so you can hone your craft, and she is just someone that is going to help you reignite your passion and potential. So her name is Claude Larson. And she is a 25-year veteran educator, and she basically maintains these two core beliefs about education and life. First, education can give anyone, despite their circumstances, power to direct their future. And second, well-developed life habits have the power to give each day more value. So using her experience from the classroom, she has authored uh, a classroom-tested life habit lesson with hundreds of students, and it's produced dramatic results. And so she uses these practical and powerful lessons to now teach groups of teenagers how to direct their lives and create a better future. And if you don't have your own teen or teach teens, don't worry. These things apply to just guiding students in developing their own ownership. So tune in to what she's going to share with you today. Well, hey, Claude, thanks so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. Well, thank you for having me. We are having elite educators, as I call them, listening in from around the world. And I know that you've got a great message to share. So I'm going to just dive right in. And why don't you start by explaining how our two paths have crossed? Basically, our paths have come to this point because I was a career educator over the course of more than three decades. And um, I saw over that time such a change in what happened in a classroom. And I always thought to myself, I mean, this is gonna sound really silly after the pandemic, but like, oh, I wonder if I'll be in the classroom when books are online. Mm. (laughs) And with the technology aspect of everything that got added to education, I saw a lot of things declining in education, Um, you know, student uh, accountability and their engagement, things like that. And 
rather than um, join my colleagues by the coffee machine and complain about it, I decided <laughs> I decided that I was going to try to make a change. And it, it um, was so impactful for me and my students that um, I, I wrote a book about it. And I'm, I'm really here just to help other educators and help their, their young adult students because I really think after coming back after this pandemic and no more virtual and everybody in class, these, these kids are going to have a hard time getting out of bed. I mean, some of them were going to school in their pajamas, not even getting out of bed. And right. now it's like, yeah, <laughs> your, your world is going to change a lot, you know? Um, so that's what brings me here. I want to just share and help and uh, do what I can. I love that. I love the giving back. But I know before you gave back, you were learning your own lessons and really uh, trying to sharpen your own toolkit, so to speak. So tell us, where did you start in your journey as an educator to where it has become today? Uh, I started in the 80s and I took jobs. It's funny, I, you know, I took teaching positions that in that, at that time, it was very difficult to get a teaching position. So I took what I could get. And when I got there, I made it everything I could. But I always kept my eye out for where I knew I ultimately wanted to be, which was middle school. So, um, you know, I did take a couple, you know, I took an elementary position all the while keeping my eye on how do I get back to middle school. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, after I left for a few years to have our children and and raise them and get them into school, I took a high school position. And from there, it was like, how do I get back <laughs> to middle school? I just knew that was my, that was really my forte. That's what I really enjoyed. And I knew that if I was in a place where I really enjoyed what I was doing, I was going to have the most success. Um, so that's, that's, you know, what got me here. And I had a very full career. I knew when I was going to retire a very long time out. And I never really treated it as a retirement. It was like, okay, I'm leaving because I have this whole list of other things I want to do. Mm -hmm. So if I keep having this same teaching full time job, I'm never going to get to do the other things. And I really didn't talk about it or tell anybody about it. I left on my last day the way I went in on my first day. And mm. it was like, just, you know, they deserve that. And I deserve that. And I left on such a high, like it was great. And mm. I, I know a lot of educators that don't do that. And that's, I mean, I, I feel bad because that's a tough pill to swallow after you're out, you know? I love your journey, mainly because it sends the message of what I share with everyone. I think if you're going to ever become the best educator that you are capable of becoming, you have to get out of your comfort zone and try different things. That means teach different grade levels, teach at different schools, teach under different leadership models, because all of that helps shape your perspective. And you start gathering intel that helps you better serve your kids. And so the fact that you kind of danced around the heartstrings of middle school and you did elementary and high school and uh, you, you know, middle school it really allowed you to become a stronger educator, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. And I have to say, my my experience spanned sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. I mean, I had one position 
where I taught sixth, seventh, and eighth grade simultaneously. I had every student in the school for three years. So you want to talk about stretching yourself as a teacher because there, you know, there are always those personalities that you, they just grow your patience. And by the third year, when they walk in, you're like, oh, (laughs) but I think the big lesson I got there was when they walked in as sixth graders and then they walked at graduation what a difference. I mean, you really saw the growth and you really saw what impact teachers make. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was that was awesome. Well, speaking about the impact that teachers make, you've had lots of colleagues, you know, varying their own specialties, K-12, I guess, at this point. So yes. if you were to pinpoint, OK, that's a good teacher right there. Like, what are those characteristics that you found along your journey? I think the characteristics by and large, that teachers of excellence mean for me is they are constantly changing. They are constantly evolving. They, you know, there's the ones who are like, well, on day one, we start on page one. On day two, we go to page two. And and they just sort of like, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. And that's the school year for them. And I was never that. It was like, let me see if I can find, because I taught um, physics and chemistry. Um, for the bulk of my career. So I was always like, well, let me find a different way to do that demonstration, a better way to do that demonstration, um, a different lab activity that they could do or expand that one. I was constantly, you know, like tweaking and changing or, yeah, that one didn't make me go, oh, yeah, so next year I'm going to find something better, you know, and And I took like anecdotal notes every day. I would spend a few minutes before I left the building and just write in my, I had one of those like marble composition books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you wouldn't lose a page or rip it out (laughs) or whatever. Um, And I would just write in those what aha moment I had that improved it, you know, and then I, I would always refer to my anecdotal notes when it came around again, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm going to do something different this time. Or, oh, I'm going to do this sooner or change the order. And I think keeping it fresh, keeping up with your content um, is huge. I mean, especially in the sciences, because it changes a lot. I'm not yes. I'm not sure about the the Oxford comma. You know, like, <laughs> I, can't, I, can't speak for, I can't speak for the language arts teachers, but I know that um, the educators that I most resonated with we were always looking for something new we were always trying to innovate yeah I 100% agree with that and let's dig deeper to a specific type of teacher because we have an audience that's quite wide and we've got new teachers teachers that are transitioning or maybe they're in distress especially with the pandemic um, and then teacher leaders like myself so if you had to pick one of those types of teachers to just share an additional piece of advice who would you pick and what would you tell them Um, I think I would pick the teachers in distress. And uh, I had the recent opportunity, one of my past colleagues who, she's young, she's like 28, and she worked with me as my um, inclusion co-teacher, and she was just phenomenal. She was just phenomenal. And I had the opportunity to have dinner with her, and, and she shared with me that every Sunday afternoon or evening, she would literally just like burst into tears because 
she didn't want to go to work on Monday. Mm. Like this pandemic was just, you know, between the, you know, the hybrid and the online and the, it's a, it's like the uncertainty, the disconnect, the changes, the masks. I mean, there were just so many things that she, she just felt so overwhelmed. And I think there's a lot of teachers who are walking in her shoes right now. I mean, I have to imagine that that whole decompression from this past year, it, you know, you end the school year and you're like, oh, exhale. And, you know, it takes a couple weeks and, and you kind of have to let go and then you can relax and then you kind of get on with things. But because um, the end of the year, especially in eighth grade, is frenzied. You've got promotional things and trips and dances and there's a lot going on. But I know that going back into this new, I mean, this is the new learning environment. Going back into this is just going to be that much harder. And every year, there's always something that makes teaching that much harder. Why you have to continue to grow and innovate because the thing that was the challenge last year, that's over. That's so 10 minutes ago. And now we need to deal with this new challenge, this new, you know, they'd always start these new programs at the beginning of the year. And you were like, oh, no, not another crazy, non-intuitive platform to learn, you know. Mm -hmm. and, uh, there was always that, like, front-loading of how do I navigate this. Um, so I know those teachers in distress, and especially, you know, you're just trying to, you're trying to help the kids, but at the same time, there's, some, there's a self-preservation element in this. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of teachers, they get burned out. A lot of young teachers get disheartened. And I think that's where I would focus my impact. My yeah, efforts. I agree. And even with you and your new role, although now you're you're helping, you're, you're, you've written the book, but you're also out here talking with other educators, how do you keep yourself mo motivated and out of that rut and feeling inspired? And is there a mentor that you have? Are there... Um, is there like a professional network you dive into to help you keep motivated and encouraged? Well, um, as an as an author of after writing a book, I am part of an author's group. We meet weekly and we span the globe. It's done in English, which is lucky for me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have a coach that, you know, there's a coach who coordinates that group. But we also learn from each other. So as an author, you know, having a coach, having peers that are all looking to succeed and who are all open to sharing and helping each other is hugely helpful for me. When I left teaching, one of my goals was also to dive more deeply into my artwork. And so I'm in a cooperative gallery. And so I have a little tribe that I can also talk about art with. But I've also got uh, creativity coach. So oh, cool. it's like, uh, yeah, it's like I can up level my art because I, you know, if I lose my confidence or, you know, really have self doubt eating at me, or I'm not sure how to proceed on website issues. It's like, I have somebody I can turn to and talk about the mindset. And because I don't have a scarcity mindset, mm -hmm. which 
as an artist is really unusual because a lot of people are like, oh, the starving artist. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not starving. I'm just fine. Like, I'm super happy doing what I'm doing. But, um, but it's good to have a coach. So, yeah, I definitely have always had the mindset of do not be the smartest person in the room and listen carefully because you will learn a lot from what other people have already done or what they will tell you, what they will share with you, their experiences. Um, and I think that's important as because as educators, we don't get to do that. It's like, here's your classroom, shut the door, teach your classes. Right. And there's PLC, but sometimes that's not, um, you know, that's not the group that you selected. Maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, I mean, I don't know how that goes in most schools, but a lot of times it's like assigned to yes. this group mm. who might not have the same intentions that you have. So you're kind of well like, said. are you doing anything to stay current in education specifically? Like, do you read magazines or listen to podcasts or anything? Um, like that? I subscribe to podcasts and I listen to those. Um, I am an avid reader and I will uh, I'll share with you one of my favorite authors. And I don't, you, you probably subscribe to his blog. I'm going to say Seth Godin. Yes. Uh -huh. yes. <laughs> and, it's so, I mean, um, I'm dissecting his book right now. He wrote this, his latest book, The Practice, um, Shipping Creative Work. I thought like, hmm, this is a great time for me to, for him to have written this. He wrote it just for me. Just not, for you. Not for the million other people who bought it. But <laughs> um, so I'm reading it and I literally read one small excerpt, which is like the length of a blog post, essentially. I feel like I'm reading his blog only. It's in book form. Mm -hmm. And then I pare it down like I force myself I will make a gist statement of this section that is seven words or less that has meaning for me what did I get out of this so I am constantly trying to uh, learn better myself but then apply those things as they pertain to me and doing things like podcasts so that I can still connect with educators it's, it's just so important to me because when I look back on my whole life, I'm like, I'm an educator. Like, that is number one. I want to help people. I want to teach people. I want to empower people to have better lives. That's so important to me, especially when I look at young people. They can't find their direction or they don't have a lot of guidance in their life. Like, I want to reach out to them. And I'm actually... Um, working with Youth Corps oh. right now, mm -hmm. which is an organization that helps kids who have dropped out of high school go back and get their GED. And uh, it's like, yes, one bad decision should not define the rest of your life. And so therefore, I am going to, you know, help. So I volunteer with that. And um, I teach lessons from my book to them. And uh, it's that's it's going great. Um, they really appreciate it. That is so cool. Your story kind of makes me think, even if someone is not out of the classroom yet and they're planning for what does life look like after either I've retired or I'm just ready for my next chapter, kind of what you've been saying all along is have that list of things that you, if you had the time to do, you would give back in a different way or, or dive deeper, like you were mentioning, into the art and the creativity piece. And so just because this might not resonate with what your day-to-day -day is now, listen for how, you know, you have prepared for your journey to really 
allow you to dig deeper into all the other facets of yourself. But that educator piece is, yeah, it's time to give back. And how can I do it in a better way than I could have if I was still in the classroom? And and so I hope folks are encouraged when they hear this because their day will come too. And you don't want that day to come and you're not ready. And you're sitting there thinking, oh, no, I never thought to plan for this section of my life. And now I've got right. all this time. How do I give back? And what do I want it to look like? So I'm glad that you've kind of taken us on this ride. And I will say to the uh, educators who are starting out or in mid-career, my purpose was to be an educator. And that is it's so hugely impactful and it musters so many skills that are useful in everything else that you will do in your life. Everything. You will grow your patience. You will grow your ability to learn things. And those are the things that are going to serve you because what, no matter what you choose to do afterwards, you will have the patience and the fortitude to go learn what you need to learn so that you can do what you need to do. And I think if you have a different career, one where it's very repetitive work, where you, you know, there isn't a steep learning curve a lot of the time. And we all know, you know, the start of the school year is, is the very steep learning curve. And then we seem to, you know, by October-ish have a handle on that. But then the new year always brings about, you know, the January um, mid-year <laughs> checkpoint, like, hmm, where am I going and how is this going? Um, I just think it's, it, that's, that's their purpose. Like if they're there in education and they are showing up every day, they don't have to look for a purpose. It's there. Mm. I believe that it is the most important purpose. I mean, short of parenting. <laughs> that's true. Right. Because once you have children, that is that is the biggest purpose. But um, I do think that helping kids have um, a, a learning mindset is just it's vital, really vital to going forward in society. Yeah, totally agree. And I want to put your educator hat on or classroom teacher hat, actually, and share yep. with us your best all-star teacher moment. And the reason I kind of want to embarrass you a little bit by sharing your story is just to allow people to hear what great things are happening and maybe they can replicate it in their own classroom. So do you have a moment that stands out as like, okay, that that was probably my, my favorite or my greatest moment? Yeah, I have one. I do, uh, to this day, get a little choked up talking about it. Oh. So that, that might happen. <laughs> so I was struggling. I was distraught at the low level of engagement I was getting from my eighth graders. They were, I, it went from a few years prior, fidget spinners are super annoying mm -hmm. to, I wish they would stop group texting and meeting up in the bathroom to vape. <laughs> and that's I really, oh like God. I got to a point where I was like, how did I get here? What oh. am I doing here? I am making, I am affecting no change. I am making no impact. This is so hard for me mm -hmm. to come in every day and like give it my all and feel like I've wasted my time and theirs. Like it, it was a bad, I was in a bad place. So I miraculously had all my papers graded and it was a Friday afternoon and my plans were done and I had like 10 minutes to just breathe. And I sat and looked out the windows of my classroom and I said, I, I can't do this. 
I cannot do this. I have to change. It is like it is what it is. I can accept it or I can change what I'm doing. I will either, you know, impact and make a difference or I will fall on my face. But I can't come in every day and do this anymore. So I went home on the weekend and I said, if I thought about what I wanted my students to learn from me by the end of the school year, and it was maybe mid-year at this point, what do I want them to remember? Because when I thought back on what I remembered about eighth grade science, there was absolutely nothing I could say, oh yeah, Mr. Beaumont taught me that. Like there was not one fact that I could attribute to my eighth grade science experience. So I said, it's not gonna be Newton's laws. Like that is not the answer here. So. I went home and I said, what, what changes do I want to make? And I wrote these little mini lessons. And um, I said, I'm going in, you know, sink or swim, I'm going to try this. So first thing, Monday morning, every single class, I started out very peacefully, sat on a stool in the front of my room, put everything away, everything off your desk, I want your full attention. And like my students were like, Okay, she she means business, yeah, yeah. Like that, she wants this now, and I was like, yes. Like I wasn't, you know, I never was like a, I never really raised my voice or did anything like that. But the kids knew when I meant business, you know, because that's how I was. So I did a lesson where I did this, like two or three minute meditation, and then I talked about the power of your mind. That it was just really about. Do you see how what you just thought about for two minutes has completely changed, you know, your mindset? Like right now, it changed your physiology. It changed all of these things. And I went on to do a lesson about using the power of your mind to create excellence, to control your attitude, you know, to do these things. And I had a student in my... I I had one version of him. the, The true version was... His family was falling apart. His mother was in rehab. They had become homeless because dad couldn't pay the bills. He was living with grandma. Like his life was literally just fall. He went from typical, you know, middle class, home, family, whatever, to complete, you know, wreck. And I and you could see it. He was struggling and all of that. So I do my lesson and at the end of my lesson, this this kid whose life is, when I tell you falling apart, I never, I've never watched something over the course of three months so painful as this. But he stood up and he clapped, and I was like, did a fourteen year old boy <laughs> just stand up in front of his peers <laughs> and clap for this lesson? Like, did that just happen? And you know, he just, and, and I thought to myself, oh, he'll be embarrassed and sit down. And he just looked at everybody else. He's like, really? Like, you, you're not going to join me? <laughs> like, I love that. that was amazing, you know? <laughs> and I thought, and I looked at him and I said, you know what? 24 years of teaching, I've never had somebody stand up and clap for me, but I will take it. Yes. And, um, and it was just like, I knew in that moment and he knew in that moment his life didn't have to be what it was and that I had made an impact. And it was just amazing. 
And I went on to do these lessons. We started calling them Mindful Mondays because the kids wanted a name for it. And I'd always have, I always had, you know, the agenda up on the board. So when they came in, they could see what they were supposed to do. Every Monday we did these lessons. And, and then there was like a Monday holiday, whatever, you know, whatever it was. Um, maybe it was January time or one of those Mondays that you get off at school. And it was a Tuesday. So I said, well, I guess I'm not doing Mindful Monday today. And students who wouldn't, I mean, they would not raise my hand to answer my chemistry questions, but they were like, what do you mean we're not doing Mindful Monday? I was like, well, it's Tuesday. Well, then we'll call it something else, but we're doing this. And I was like, oh, okay. And I just like, all right, let me pull this lesson out of my, right, you know, right. my literally, literally stack of sticky notes with topics. I was like, yep, this is how this is going down. So I knew at that point that it was helping not just the ones who are in the most distress, but it was helping a lot of kids. That was just so important to me. I love it, that. Yeah. And it turned, I mean, it turned what was a really difficult school year, 180 degrees on its head. Like by the end of the year, I was like, wow, this, this is really a class of amazing people. And I told them that I said, I don't say this at the end of every school year, but you guys are going to go forth and do great things. I can see it. I was not seeing your growth mid year. And I was concerned about all of you. But now I see what you are capable of in a short amount of time. Keep that going. Isn't that amazing? You were brave enough to call a spade a spade and say, kids, we are not where we need to be. And I believe we can get there, but we've got some work to do. And you changed your tactics and strategies. And they heard your message loud and clear. And they showed up to the plate, too, and gave their best. And because of that one moment where you had the courage to just stop it, it all turned around. It it really did. And it, <clears throat> excuse me, it helped me so much that year. It It changed my whole attitude. I looked forward to going to work on Monday. Mm. And here and here I had dinner with a colleague who was crying on Sunday because she was just dreading going back on Monday. And I would walk in on Monday mornings like, good morning, <laughs> mail. And people were like, you are so happy to be here. I, was like, I, I am. I am. And my administrators, I said, to, I invited every single one of them. I said, any day on a Monday, come to the beginning of any class. Don't come late. Because if you're late, my door's closed. Like, that's it. Like, you got to be there on time. And I had several. I had the guidance counselor, uh, the assistant principal, had the principal, um, head of guidance. Like, uh, they were all invited. They came. They were like, wow. And the principal unknowingly arrived at one lesson. It was Monday morning, first period. And he came to observe me. And I thought, like, well, that's a bold move. <laughs> I was just like, have a seat over there. And um, I went on with my lesson and it was uh, it was the one in the book that mentions Tom Brady. And it was like before uh, the Super Bowl. And I was like, I feel like I'm going to talk about a topic. You're all, you know, you're all thinking it's at the front of your mind. And they're all like looking at me like, yeah, we, you don't know what we're thinking. And I was like, <laughs> Tom Brady. And like half the class is groaning because, you know, they're Giants fans. And yeah. <laughs> the other half is like, yeah, Tom Brady. So I do this whole lesson on like accepting criticism and not being offended. And, mm. you know, I read his 
I read his like scout report and I was like, yeah, guys, he didn't like stamp his feet and go, can you believe my English teacher gave me a C? You know, like he said, wow, I clearly need to improve. (laughs) And that's what he did, you know, and and he he came to me afterwards. He was like, you should do more of that. I was like, I do this every Monday. (laughs) Like, I also have to teach my science curriculum. (laughs) Um, Oh, gosh, I, I just love how in tune you were with what they needed and how you could use your talents to meet them. So bravo. Hey, y'all, popping in here real quick to remind you, if you are loving the podcast, hop on over to iTunes to leave a star rating and type in a few words for the review. This helps other educators find the show so they too can be empowered. Lots of love and thanks. Now back to the show. Well, tell us about this book. I know we've kind of mentioned it here and there in our conversation today, but what made you want to write it and what did you write about? What made me want to write it was literally my little sticky notes. I was going right off the cuff and other teachers, because they wouldn't, they would, for whatever reason, because they're teenagers and you can't really explain them, they wouldn't talk about it in front of me. Right. Because mm-hmm. it was like it was a personal thing. But then they'd go in the other classes. And so the teachers on my team were like, all they could talk about was what you did in class today. Mm-hmm. And what got me was when the when the physical education teacher came down and said, the only thing they talk about in the locker room is what you did in your class. Oh. And, like, and the kids who don't have you are like what? dying <laughs> to get in there. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, so. Uh, you know, at that point, I was like, wow, you know, and then I was like, I'm really sorry, I'm sure you want them focusing on your stuff, you know, and they were like, whatever it is, you know, they're talking about it. Okay, good to know. <laughs> and the, ca- the cafeteria aide said something. Yeah, they're talking about it at lunch. I was like, what? They can talk about anything they want. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was like, it was crazy. So that made me feel like, great, I'm making a, a difference. And then my, one of my colleagues said, my closest colleague, she knew I was leaving in a year and she said, I want this, whatever this is, <laughs> I want to know what it is. And I want this. And I said, Oh, really? Well, it's just like a pile of sticky notes and just some thoughts. And so I said, here's what I'll do. I'll record them on my phone and then I'll send you like the voice memos. And after I did that a few times, you know, I'd listen to one of them and I went, oh, wow, this could be a book. (laughs) Wait, this could help more than my one friend. This could help a lot of people because, you know, a lot of uh, educators, we have the same struggles and, you know, the same, we can go down that same complaint rabbit hole and people will always say, oh, this kid's, you know, doesn't pay attention. This one never comes with their stuff. And, you know, we can all do that. We can all fall into that line of complaining. But when teachers would do that in front of me, I would just say, I don't, I don't have that problem with that student. I just don't. And they were like, well, what are you doing differently? I was like, oh, I have the, <laughs> I have found a way to get through. Um, and I just know that this, it's really meant to serve. It's meant because it served my students well. And it's really meant, I think, best for I think, I mean, I think parents can read it. I think it's a great set of conversation starters for them to have with teenagers about important topics that can be really 
uh, hard to work into the typical conversation, but it's really meant to help educators have more impact and such a meaningful connection with their students because all we get really is pressure to get through the curriculum and to make sure they score a certain amount on the tests that are coming up towards the end of the year. And like, that's the focus of the administration because the numbers drive the money, mm-hmm. but the numbers do not drive my relationship with my students. Right. And so the, and I found honestly the better relationship that I had built with them by doing these little, uh, and I'm talking 15 minutes maybe 20 on a Monday, I would get through everything else I had planned for the week and I got through it with less distraction, less disruption. They were more polite. They were more engaged. They'd walk in the room and you could just see their shoulders were up in their ears and they would just drop their shoulders and be like, oh, it's it's all going to be okay. Yeah. Like they could relax. And we just had a very productive flow because the stage was set. Yeah, you got that buy-in. Well, what did you call the book? The The book is called The Power of Choice, A Teen's Guide to Finding Personal Success. And the original book, I will tell you this, the original book, uh, that's the title. And it's just uh, lessons in a workbook format. So you go through, you have them Um, answer certain questions and I always read it to them aloud so that I could have their full attention. They weren't trying to keep up with the reading. Mm -hmm. I just read it to them and then I'd let them personally answer the questions. And then I never looked at their paper. I never read it. They didn't have to share anything with me. Some kids would linger after class and be like, oh, you know, that reminds me of a story in my family about, you know, whatever. And they would share their personal stuff, which they knew at that point, they had 100% confidence that it was going nowhere. I mean, unless it was something that needed to be addressed through administration or guidance or something, but they knew like their secret was safe with me. So that was the first book. Then I was very encouraged to make it an ebook, which I didn't want to do because I want kids to slow down and take the time to write their answers. Mm Mm-hmm. So I made a companion journal. You can oh, find cool. that. Yeah. So with the ebook comes a companion journal. Where where can but, I go to get these? Uh, these are all on Amazon right okay. now. Um, bulk orders, you can reach out to me. But um, you know, if you wanted like a set of thirty or whatever, I can uh, forego Amazon royalties. Right. Right. Get them to you at the uh, you know for nonprofits. I'm all about like sending this out. people and helping and my most recent edition is I made a teacher's edition oh good idea yeah because I and I really thought wow this would be I mean I was not a language arts teacher but this would be so powerful as a language arts program because you're writing you're Mm -hmm. listening you know it's uh, you're journaling you're doing all of these things and in the teacher's edition what I added because there's 30 chapters in the book basically to correspond with about 30 weeks in the school year, because, you know, the first couple, you're all just kind of getting settled and relaxed procedures. 
the last couple are insane and then there's standardized testing testing <laughs> like there's you know, there's all these, we- and then there's the short week, the weird yep, week, yeah. whatever. Holidays. You know. <laughs> yeah. So there's 30 lessons in there. So for each lesson, I wrote something you could do with the entire class that nobody would have to share personal information, but that it was still on the topic. So for an example, if the lesson was about excellence, let's say, you know, they would do their individual lesson. And then afterwards, you just either hand them little sticky notes or little pieces of paper and tape. And on the board, you, you know, draw a line down the middle of the board, never and always. And on your little pieces of paper, I want you to think of somebody who's excellent. Don't write their name. Doesn't matter who it is. It could be your mom. It could be a rock star. It could be an athlete. It could be celebrity. It could be your neighbor. Doesn't matter. Somebody who is excellent and write something they never do and something they always do. Hmm. Tape it up on the board. And then all of a sudden we can talk about people of excellence never, right? And then you start reading people's answers. Now it's, it's, they stuck that thing up there. So it's what they said. Their name's not attached to it. It's not about them personally. It's none of that. They fully understand at the beginning, it's going to be shared. And all of a sudden you're having a conversation about these are things that if you want to be excellent, you should not be doing. And these are things that if you want to be excellent, you should always or often be doing, you know, and, and so you start seeing this. And so every chapter has an activity like that that brings it together that gives you a way to have a whole class conversation about whatever that topic is whether it's gratitude whether it's about letting go of grudges whether whether it's about uh creativity you know i have all different topics in the book so good the educators that are using it that I've been in contact with, one teacher's teaching fifth grade. So I consider that a little young. Like I, for me, it's kind of like end of sixth, maybe into like ninth and 10th grade. Like that's, that's a small niche, but I kind of stuck with my, you know, stayed in my lane, mm-hmm. stuck with my expertise. And she adapted some of them and she, you know, she sent me an email back. This was the most engaged they have been. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. And then afterwards, and it, um, you know, there was this whole lesson about, it's actually one of my favorite chapters, which is like saying I have a favorite kid out of 30. I know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just, it really breaks it down to like things that don't feel good when you have to do them, but they are actually good for you, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and they, and she said, generated a whole discussion. Like the kids fully recognize they don't like helping their parents rake the leaves However, it's good for them, right? To be part of the family, to be contributing. Like, and the kids, fifth graders came up with these answers. And then there was, you know, a section where it's like, it feels bad and it's bad for you, you know? And they were like, when I, when I lie to my parents, you know? And they, like, nobody's putting those words in their mouth. Yeah, they were the like, ownership yeah. is just yeah. very authentic. Exactly. And she was like, they were so honest, authentic, and engaged. And I thought, wow, that's like, oh, that just makes my week, you know, that's terrific. And that's what I'm hearing from teachers who are using this in yeah. their classroom. 
So I'm so glad you decided to give back in this way and utilize something that worked well for you and not only provide that resource, but then you created all these other assets around it to truly support a teacher and implementing it. So I applaud you for that. I am so glad you were willing to share and I'll stick the Amazon links in the show notes so folks can grab it. But I do want to be respectful of your time. And before I let you go, I wanted to just ask you, how do you reignite any of your old passion and potential that you had as an educator when you're just feeling down and out? I think for me, and I and I remember, these were more like the February days where you're like, oh, February is 18 weeks long. It's cold. <laughs> it's dark. It's terrible. Like, that's usually when I needed um, something. And I found that I would make sure as a teacher, personally, that I had something always to look forward to in my personal life so that when I would get out of school, I would recharge. I would, uh, you know, see that person do that activity, you know, go to that place or whatever so that I could personally recharge and just sort of disconnect so that when I got back, I was fresh. And usually this was like, I, you know, this was like my Friday night like, you know, I'm still going to be home by nine because, you know, I was getting up at 4.30 in the morning, but it was like after work, I was like, okay, put all this down, you know, give yourself some love, do something for yourself and, you know, fill the well because you know that come Monday, other people are going to be drawing water from there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I did a lot of that. In my classroom, I would find that the most recharge I could get is if I could just lighten up and laugh, like just laugh. And because I had teenage kids, I never, you know, you never laugh at them. Right. Like ever because the self-esteem and like, that's a horrible thing to do (laughs) to anybody, but like you always had to frame it in a way that was like you're laughing at yourself, really. But I found that in the classroom, the more I laughed, the better we all related to each other. Because I would be like, yes, this is science. Ooh, let's all put on our lab coats and be serious. No, but seriously, sometimes (laughs) you can just laugh and it's gonna be okay. It's gonna change your, your attitude, but it's not gonna change the outcome of anything we're doing here. So. Yeah, I, I found every opportunity to just smile, laugh along with them because, you know, they would say things and, you know, I would just find the humor in it with them. And uh, it helped them because they realized that I was a person. Right. It wasn't just like, um, you know, a grade book with a face. <laughs> and because, you know, some kids have that, like, I don't know if they get a lot of pressure or they just put it on themselves because of their personality. They, they're they just so worried about it. And I'm like, okay, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, like, it's all right if you messed up a certain thing. Like, that happens. Happens to the best of us. You know? That's right. Well, on behalf of elite educators everywhere, thank you so much for sharing your time with us and your talents and your many books. So tell us, how can we connect with you? Okay, well, I am on Instagram at the power of choice for success. So you can follow me there. I have a website, Claude B. Larson, 
llc.com. Uh, that'll, I'm sure you're going to drop that in the show notes. I sure will. Um, my Amazon links will be there. And again, anybody who is looking to get multi copies of this, it can be done at the not Amazon cost. I have my own printer and I are not, I don't mean like a physical printer. I have my own company that'll print this for me at a reduced cost without the Amazon marketing. So bulk copies, they can reach out. Uh, if you're looking for an organization, for a school, for a class set, any of those things, you can find me there. That is so great. I hope everyone connects with you and reaches out to you if they need support or ideas or, of course, want to have a little bit more of your resource support. And I just want to appreciate you and, and thank you so much for using your time that's now retired to to give back. You could be doing anything, which I know you are dabbling in things for yourself, but to use your time to give back to a profession, it's just, it's amazing. So I, I just want to make sure I, I'm clear in saying thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I want to be clear. Yeah, I want to give back to this profession. It gave me so much. And I'm really happy that even when I got discouraged, I stuck with it. Mm -hmm. um, because I know a lot of teachers who they get discouraged and they think they, they've got to, you know, they got to get out. It is what you make it. And if your purpose is really to help kids and to teach, then you got to find a way. So mm -hmm. Again, thank you for having me, though. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so my, much. Sharing my stories. <laughs> well, we will chat soon. Thank you. All right. Bye now. All right, y'all. Wasn't that an empowering message from Claude? She definitely has experience teaching a range of kids, and she's got this passion and desire to now use her time to give back. And I love the way that she used a critical moment in her career to pivot and it changed everything around in terms of how she looked at guiding and inspiring kids to how they looked at teachers being mentors and guides along their own journeys. And I think it was truly life-changing for everyone involved. And the fact that she's going to now use that moment to help others recreate that for their students and their own children is pretty amazing. So I highly suggest you connect with her, um, get your school involved with having her come and maybe even demonstrate what it what it looks like and feels like to do those Monday morning directives. I truly believe that this is classroom and school and district changing if you're willing to give it a whirl and figure it out. So Claude, if you're listening, thank you so much for being here and sharing your secret sauce as an educator. We truly appreciate all right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Claude Larson. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. <laughs>